You will see that today um, Laura is Horatio and Jane and I are our her two mateys on the bridge holding off the Etruscans. <laughs> so there's just three of us today, but um, sort of seeing as all three of us have never been missing a word, I'm sure we can fill in the time available, sort of, um, and hopefully it will be quality words. It's so lovely to see you all beginning to to join, uh, not very many at the moment, but sort of, um, maybe they've all got word that it's just us three, that's it. Um, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, so welcome. Let's say hello to uh, my, my guests today. Laura Daly, hello. Hello, hello everyone. Hi, so good to see you. You're in charge of the desk, aren't you? Yeah, apologies in advance, of course, totally wrong. <laughs> no, 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 people love it, people love it. And <laughs> so one day you'll do it right and everybody will be totally disappointed. And, so the, and Jane, hello. I know, oh, what a kind comment from Scott in the comments. That's very sweet. Aww. We're fear the finest human being. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> sort of uh, certainly agree in terms of my two guests. Right. Okay. Um, well, let's go straight into. There's a, there's a very famous Schultz cartoon where they're all laying on their backs watching the clouds go across. And and um, uh, Charlie Brown says, um, uh, what, what can you see in the clouds? Can you see things in the clouds? And and the, the, the one who plays the piano, Schroeder, is it? He says, oh, I see a, a bust of the famous philosopher, such and such and such. And, 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 and I can see a representation of Van Gogh's... Uh, painting uh, Starry Night, and on and on he goes with all these very, very educated things. And he says, what do you see, Charlie Brown? And Charlie Brown says, well, I was going to say, I saw a doggy and a horsey, but I don't think I'll bother now. <laughs> I always have this feeling when I ask Jane to tell us her, uh, her moment of the week, because he's always crushing for the rest of the day. <laughs> Jane, tell us your moment of the week. So I've got two moments of the week this week um, because... Um, we'll just take one and then what we'll do is we'll take the second one because we've all got two this week. We'll take the second one after the big story. Right. So my first moment of the week. Um, so I follow a campaign called Zero Hours Justice um, who campaign against zero hour contracts and what, the way that they are forced upon a lot of people and the impact on their lives from that. So they have been involved with a theatre production um, by a theatre company called Sweet Beef Theatre and it's a play called I Hate It Here. It's about zero hours um, contract workers in the gig economy and they're going to be in London and Basingstoke, Edinburgh, Leeds and Manchester and what I really liked about this is because especially given the subject of what they're reporting on here or what they're like talking about in the play they've allocated free tickets for people who can't afford them at all of the locations if you contact them if you want to see it and you can't afford to go which um, I really love that and I was reading up on it and it's been described as um, an interactive theatre with a dose of comedy dance and drag um, going into social and political issues so it sounds very interesting 
I saw that they were giving the free tickets away, and 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 all strength to the arm, fantastic, and and uh, and uh, long may it continue. Um, I mean, just how devastating do you think the um, zero hours economy is? I really do think it destroys people's lives. So probably a lot of us here have seen um, Sorry We Missed You and the impact that has on that man's life, not only through the terrible conditions he's working in and what that does to him physically and psychologically, but the impact on his family and how it actually tears his family to pieces, the abject poverty they live in. And I've known people who've had zero-hour contracts and I know of people who don't know much about them and think that they're a two-way thing, that they give flexibility on two sides and perhaps in some companies they do. But the ones that I've seen have been imposed upon people, given zero hour contracts, but they are expected to work full time hours, but they can just be told to go home at the drop of a hat. And the people that I'm thinking of have been treated really disgustingly by those companies with, you know, and it's an indicator of how much they, those companies care about their employees generally with really lax and frightening health and safety rules um, and just horrible working environments. I, I think it should be illegal to impose these conditions on people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do I get a, a sniff that the Labour Party has said it will ban them if it gets into power? Or is it, am I imagining that? Anyway, There's people the in the party committed to it, Barry Gardner and I know others really committed to it, but they're on the back benches and it's very difficult to believe anything that the people on the front benches are saying. Um, and as they're the decision makers at the moment, it's very difficult to know. Yeah, yeah. Nothing that will upset anybody, that's the, the real party. Um, Laura, moment of your week. Um, so, yes, the moment of my week actually only happened today um and thank you to jane for highlighting it to me i was absolutely buzzing um so change.org everybody will know that they're a you know a campaigning um organization mainly around petitions for things they've announced today that one of their petitions has actually been successful um and it's a really important one uh there's been a campaign going on since 2001 actually um to get the most dangerous and serial domestic abusers added to the violent and sexual offenders register um and that's been successful. The announcement came today after the government announced a series of measures to crack down on domestic abuse. Um, they, the, the measures include things like um, adding violence against women and girls um, as a national threat. It'll be categorised as a national threat. Um, and they said that'll be part of a strategic policing requirement across the country. Um, also that they're going to input some funds of up to 8.4 million over the next two years for tailored trauma support um, to help women who've, who've been through it. Um, and that domestic abuse, the Domestic Abuse Act will now be the Criminal Abuse Act and it is going to be criminal to, to, um, to, to carry out domestic abuse, which is just absolutely massive. It is absolutely huge and... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I read it. I read all the information that was released by the government today, and I was really annoyed because I couldn't find a lot that I disagreed with. And I was like, oh, I want to, <laughs> I want to hate this, but um, obviously, it doesn't go all the way. It's not perfect. These things never are. But this is a huge step forward. This is absolutely massive um, yes. for women, and you know, domestic abuse is just 
just it, it it's basically terrorism so yeah i'm really excited to see how this is going to pan out yes um uh, we, we needed to crack back down on this a, a, a long time ago it's um horrific yeah. things that goes on and um and and the justice system has been so slow in responding i mean it's not long ago that they they brought in coercion and control and 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 so the different aspects of it so absolutely brilliant I'm, I'm going to do a strange thing i've got one i mean so i don't always have one but i've got i was reading my bible i read the bible every morning to see what the word for the day is and and this is from ezekiel this is old testament and he's a prophet and he says uh, to the people of israel is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture must you also trample the rest of your pasture with your feet is it not enough for you to drink clear water must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, I say to them, I will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you shoved with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you've driven them away. And, 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 and the relevance is that, is that I am continually in wonder of what god these christians worship you know so that 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 sort of not only do they they, they think that god wants to trample and and butt trans people um but that he wants them to go and do it for him and i mean i'm cishet i'm quite happy um, with being cishet and I'm sure God is happy that I'm happy with being cishet but what other people are it's between them and God it's none of my bloody business what they are and I'm just horrified that people like this hate Forbes fall in there with the arrogance that somehow this judgmental I mean, there's an awful lot of smiting goes on in the Old Testament, but sort of the fact is this judgmental God who's going to smite them and through me, and you just think, what, what on earth of you is your concept of God? And uh, absolutely horrific. Oh, by the way, if you don't believe in God, that's between you and God. It's none of my business either. But I just, I just, I'm bewildered by the the, the these people. Um, that they, they, they can't just keep their ideas to themselves. Let's move on. Second moment of the week. Now it's time for the big story. Not yet, no. I'm going to do it after the big story. Sorry, John. <laughs> no, I just thought, seeing as we all that too, if we just did one after the other, one after the other, I thought it'd just sort of pile up and people You're right. look. And it'd say, who are these arrogant people who are sharing their moments of the week with us? I've had moments of the week as well, they would say. So, no, we're going to the big story. And the big story, ladies and gentlemen, is Nicola Sturgeon um, resigning. Did it take you by surprise? It, it took me by surprise. Utterly by surprise. As much as you can then. So to just, wow. Um, did it take you uh, by surprise, Jane? Sort of, what's going on? It did, yeah, it did. Um, she she seemed quite 
a strong, formidable leader, hasn't she? And I don't say that in an insulting way. I've, I've got a lot of respect for her. Um, so she called a press conference, um, and I believe it was because she had written a letter that I've read had been leaked earlier than she had wanted it to be um, published. Um, but she called a press conference and announced that she's stepping down as SNP leader and Scottish First Minister after eight years in that position, and I think eight years prior to that as Deputy First Minister. Um, she said that um, it wasn't. It was due to the you know the long-term strain of that job that it's an extremely demanding job and it's right that it should be a demanding job but that she's she's human um and it's a huge sacrifice for her family and in truth she thinks it's time that she steps down from this and hands over to someone else to carry forward um there was also um some discussion around the um, issue of Scottish independence, which is very important to Nicola Sturgeon. She said during her speech that it's one, you know, one of the most significant issues for her. Um, and she had wanted to go into the next election on a single issue um, basis to have a de facto referendum for the Scottish people in that way and um, to decide on Scottish independence. And I do, I really, really do understand her frustration with the utter lack of democratic processes allowing that, allowing Scotland to make that decision. Um, I, I do personally think it's extremely bad timing to be looking at a one issue um, election with the, you know, the huge issues that are facing society right now. Um, so probably the worst possible timing to do that. But I understand why she did want to do that. And it seemed that there wasn't a consensus among the party and that that was part of her reason for deciding um, to step back and let someone else carry things forward. I mean, there was definitely a feeling with the the, the woman in Jikindara uh, Dern in New Zealand that she was getting out before she was pushed out um, and, and that there had been fallings out behind the scenes and she realised that her position had become untenable. Do you think this is the same, therefore, with Nicola Sturgeon? Um, I don't know. Um, I think... More recently, I think she'd been attacked for her position um, regarding the gender recognition bill. Um, and I don't know. She, I mean, she did say that thing, it, things are very polarised. And one of the reasons why she felt she should step down is because um, in the, you know, in the landscape we've got at the moment, people have very fixed opinions about people. And sometimes people's fixed opinions of her were getting in the way of rational, logical debate on important issues. Um, I don't know. I, I think one of the French newspapers um, put out a headline saying that um, Nicola Sturgeon has reclaimed her independence. So I think I would put a bit more of a positive light on it that she's made this decision for her own well-being, and it's quite a brave um, decision. I've got quite a lot of respect for her for doing that. She's had to make so many difficult choices and I, I didn't feel that her position was very weak, just, although I think she had been getting more personal attacks because I think that the, the um, subject of trans rights does seem to attract particularly polarised views and an awful lot of abuse um, and I, perhaps that had been a factor in making her feel a little bit more... Just before I move on... Um... I mean, 
I wonder whether we need to... I mean, when I got knocked off being a, a county council, I was heartbroken. And, and I'm not going to pretend that I wasn't very disappointed. But it was though a huge weight being lifted off my shoulders. All the abuse that you got day in, day out. And all the responsibility that you carried. And all those people's problems that you were trying to sort out. And you went home and broke your heart about. They're all gone. And, and uh, I skipped them, and I, we went off on holiday. And 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 I wonder whether um, I wonder whether it's I wonder whether we protect our politicians. So we certainly don't protect our uh, social workers and our mental health workers and our nurses and our ambulance staff and 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 those people enough from the the trauma of the job. And I wonder whether politicians fall into that category. What I have got a question for you is, um, um, there's been a number of really strong women in politics for, and, 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 and they seem to be falling like flies at the moment. And do you think that, this is a dreadfully misogynist thing to say, Maybe I shouldn't say it. I would say, may sort of. Do you think that they feel that pressure and that abuse more than somebody like, say, Boris Johnson or, or uh, Shaps or the others? Do you, do you think that the, the reason they are such good leaders is because they have a greater empathy? Oh, it's that's a really difficult subject, I think. It does seem to me, from the very little I know about it, that women in positions of power and authority tend to attract a different sort of abuse that's particularly personal and, I would say, very mentally difficult to deal with. Not that men in positions of authority don't also get horrific abuse. Um, but I think that's very difficult. And she mentioned her family too, and the huge pressure it put on her family and obviously dealing with those kinds of hateful messaging about her affects the people around you too. That's very hard to deal with. Obviously that would matter to a man as well as a woman. There was, um, I saw on Twitter, someone had said this evening, someone who I quite respect, and so I think they were, it was correct what they were saying, was had contacted the Independent on there to say that their cartoon in their um, edition, in one of the editions talking about resignation, had shown her being decapitated with her head in a pool of blood. I hope it's not true, but the person who'd said it was someone I respect, so I don't think they made it up, so I need to look into that. If that is the case, um, it is really difficult. I do think that a lot of people in positions of power and in politics in the United Kingdom, particularly in England, are um, from particular, um, you know, background. They've come from a very, very privileged background. They've got a lot of protections around them that working class people don't have. And I think perhaps, although it must be hard for them as well, I think it's probably a very different experience for working class people in politics and potentially much harder um, because those protections aren't around them. I mean, I think we certainly have created a situation where if you're a gentle soul who feels hurt, you can't go into politics. So we end up with all these absolutely cocksure, um, thick-skinned monsters and uh, of, both, of both genders, Margaret Thatcher being the, the, the proof of that. 
Laura, um, get, let's get back to Sturgeon. I'll stop twittering on. Um, what do you think is her legacy? Was she a good a leader? Do you think she'll go down in history as, 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 as a good leader for Scotland? Well, you know, I, I have never really had any problems with Nicola Sturgeon. And I've always really liked to see her on the telly. I feel like she's quite honest and quite um, forthright. But that said, she is a politician. So I spoke to some friends who actually live in Scotland and who, who live that, you know... Um, above and beyond, Laura, above and beyond. Political right? Well, they're nice people, so I don't mind talking to them. It's fine. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a really mixed bag, to be honest with you, John. Um, I think what she'll be remembered for most, the strength, the feeling that I'm getting anyway from people I know, um, is the baby boxes that she brought in. Um, and this was sort of like just a big cardboard box that was packed with clothes and toiletries for new parents and every new parent got one. Um, and I think that's huge. As, as, you know, you can't underestimate how underprepared you are for having a baby. <laughs> Even if you think you've got everything, you haven't. Um, and I just think that was a really good, a strong message to send um, and a good strong way to start. Um, I think... Maybe it did feed a little bit into the whole perpetuating that, or oh, women are soft, women only care about care and responsibilities. But actually, somebody should, somebody in politics should care about that sort of thing. I think we're really missing that. Um, she did come across as a really strong woman. She didn't back down very easily, especially with her handling of the COVID pandemic. It was far superior to that of England. Um, I mean... <laughs> It's not difficult, but she did come into some criticism because she seemed to use that as a platform to promote independence um, and another ref referendum. And I think a lot of people thought, you know, that's not it's not good time and you can't use this to talk about that. Um, so that that was a problem I think she stumbled into and, and is still sort of dealing with now. Um, the NHS is absolutely abysmal in Scotland. Their waiting times in A&E are longer than ours. And that, that's saying something, you know, I was reading the other day about somebody who was in A&E for 11 hours. And it's just, that is absolutely horrendous. <laughs> and if Scotland is worse than that, then there needs to be some serious conversations about how to sort out their health care. So that is obviously a massive issue. Um, Interrupting you there, yeah. it's, it is worth pointing out that one of the the, the, the front runner for taking over from her is Hamza uh, Hamza Yusuf Yusuf, um, who um, is the health minister and responsible for all that. Fabulous. Well, that's going to go well, isn't it? <laughs> oh dear. Um, I mean, talking about health, the the drug problems in Scotland have increased since um, Nicola Sturgeon took um, took her seat, um, which is, is a big problem in Scotland as well. But I think that that shows, you know, that there's a lack of opportunity and an increase in poverty in the society there. Um, you know, there is a correlation between that and drug use. Um, I think one of her first policies was going to be about... Um, universities taking in more students from deprived areas and she did do a really good job on that she she got um the percentage up to where she'd promised it to be in our first year which was eight years ahead of schedule so that was brilliant that you know she did great for that for universities um but again there's things that really mirror with the politicians here in england there are alleged and i'm gonna say alleged because we are you know 
we are regulated <laughs> and I need to not put words in people's mouth and I need to not say anything that is factually correct before it is proven to be. But there are alleged dodgy contracts for some of the ferries up in Scotland, that the ones that are vital for people living out on the islands. Apparently they're, they're just not running properly at all. It is really dreadful. Um, and there's like people taking backhanders and things, allegedly, um, which is a big problem. Uh, Sorry about that, because, I mean, the score on the ferries is that um, they needed new ferries. And, um, again, being very careful about what I'm saying, um, there is some suspicion that um, there was leaning on people. Anyway, they gave them, um, contrary to advice, to Scottish firms. And sort of the now, you know, treble over budget and months and months behind schedule. Mm -hmm. and, and sort of the truth is they should have given them to Japan or wherever they give them to nowadays. And uh, but it, I'm on her side there, really. I think it would probably the right thing to do to want to give that work to Scottish companies. But it, it turned out really badly. And the result is, is that the ferry service to the, the, the Isles is just grinding to a halt because they've got um, ferries which were out of date before they decided to replace them. And sort of then we, we, we sort of loads of years down the line and still no sign. They're still struggling on with these um, crappy ferries. So, yes, I agree with you. The ferries is... Um, uh, I think we can safely say it is a scandal at whatever level. Yeah, I mean, it definitely hasn't helped our position, has it? I mean, um, but the fact of the matter is she has seen in an increase of SNP votes. That's just a fact. So she has done really well. She's obviously problematic in places, which politician isn't. I think my summation of her would be she's not too bad for a politician, but then... In that respect, she sails over that low bar <laughs> compared to English leaders, doesn't she? So, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, there are, you know, rumblings, and again, these are rumours that I've heard that there might be something coming out about a husband being doing something a bit mm. dodgy with money, and and I just wonder is is it something to do with that? Why she's stepping down? Um, He'll be in the dugout if she's had three a time because of it. <laughs> Again, I don't, I don't know <laughs> if there's any truth in the that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, um, we're getting some comments here. Mark Longley says the baby boxes are a great idea, and you can uh, um, somebody said you can turn them into a into a cot as well. Um, oh, when John Ray came out with my son John Ross, um, sort of we we needed some nappies. And all the shops were closed because it was the wrong day. And um, the um, the vicar's wife turned up with um, a present, and it was 12 Terry nappies. And, I mean, it was saved our life, those 12 <laughs> Terry nappies. Um, because we were, we we would just start to wrap him in newspaper. I mean, it, it, and the other thing is, is for for months we didn't have a cot. For months he slept in the we had a pram and it had a thing that he could take out, which became a, a, a carry cot. And for for ages he slept in his pram essentially. Um, so the, so you're right, you do come home, and 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 
there's things you can't afford and there's things you don't have. Um, anyway. um, Mia Manji says she'd prefer Humza Yousaf over the other two candidates. Um, winners against equal marriage, the other one's transphobic. Oh, <laughs> I've read that Hamza voted against gay marriage as well. I don't know if it's true or not, but that's no, no, he didn't. He he he's come out of it. He's um. Oh, good. Is John frozen? Or is it me? I don't know. No, I can hear you, Jane. John's frozen. Jane, you're gonna have to take over. Ah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'm talking away, and then I said, "Oh no, Jane's gone," and then then Laura had gone as well. Um, the um, as a Muslim, he was saying that as a Muslim, um, really, he has personal beliefs, but he believes that when you know when you're a minister, you have to do what's best for the nation and what's best for for the people that you serve. Um, so he's been come out of it smelling. Smelling of, of roses. Um, Jacqueline Hemmings wonders how much her hand, how much her hands are tied by Westminster, Laura. I mean, John. Let's face it. You'd be, you'd know better than I would. <laughs> I really don't. Probably. I think Westminster have far too much power everywhere, like everywhere. Um, so it wouldn't surprise us. Well, I mean, the thing was certainly on independence. I mean, they're sort of saying she's failed to bring independence. Well, you know, it's just. A, Yes, of course she has, because she, sort of Westminster's just saying no. Mm. Um, Mia Manchi says, I'm frozen. No, no, the heating's on, Mia. You don't need to worry about <laughs> me. And um, and sort of Jacqueline Hemmings, when I freeze and I leave the meeting, she writes, never seen such relief in my life. So- I think, <laughs> I think that was when you came that was back. our face when you came back. We were like, whew. <laughs> I'm hoping because I was back, not because I went. Um <laughs> Uh, me imagine, yes, he said he wouldn't use his religion to, to legislate. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, Jane, Nicola Sturgeon going, good news or bad news? Oh, it depends on whether I'm being selfish or thinking of her. I think for her, it, it's probably the right thing. It must have been an incredible strain on her personal life. And as on her as a human being, and it's not fair to expect someone to keep giving like that. So I think it's right that she should be able to step back if she feels she needs to. Um, Scott put a comment in the chat um, a little while ago. Um, he said his worst fear is that it works out the same as Corbyn stepping down. And uh, it kind of does feel like, to me, that's occurred to me too. I think we had such a strong movement in this country on the left. I kind of thought that if Corbyn did step down, there would be a whole bunch of people who would be perfect to take over from him. And then it happened and there was really no one there. um, And I've been surprised in hearing, you know, that there's only really three people in the running here. And I don't know, it just doesn't seem like they're they're not coming across to me as being as strong as Nicola Sturgeon and it's necessarily having the same progressive policies and, I find that quite scary. Um, I was reading what Mary Black had said about Nicola Sturgeon's resignation earlier on today, and I, I think she's fantastic. But I think the thing about people like Mary Black is that they're doers and they don't want to be at the top organising everything. They want to be on the ground looking after people and doing good. And that's great because that is what you need. But um, 
then you kind of want someone like that in charge as well, don't you? So I'm quite scared of what might happen because, as you said, we've got such appalling leaders in England, in Westminster, um, in the Conservatives, and I'm, I'm not impressed with the front bench of Labour at the moment. Um, it's really sad to lose one of the better people that we had involved in, a, you know, politics in a um, position of authority in the United Kingdom. And sort of yes, absolutely, and 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 so strong. I mean, it, it does you no good to have chaos over the border in Scotland. Um, do you think it's Labour's opportunity in Scotland? I mean, we've always said that one of the reasons we can't expect a Labour government is because they've been wiped out in Scotland, so we don't have those forty MPs. I mean, is this Labour's chance to win a few extra seats? Do you think? I think what's really frustrating, or one of the things that has been really frustrating about the the section of Labour that is now in control of the Labour Party is that they seem to have had absolutely no understanding of the glaringly obvious situation over the last, you know, 12 or more years that we lost, that Labour lost lots of support in the North and in Scotland because they weren't offering people the solutions to the problems in their life and they seem to have stood back and waited until the Tories have self-imploded doing more damage than I had ever thought possible to people across the United Kingdom in the process thinking that it's enough to just be there as a default option to pick up the pieces and the thought that they've decided that this is how they can win Scotland back by continuing to offer nothing that meets the needs of the Scottish people and just thinking, oh, fantastic, this party's made some mistakes or, you know, got itself in trouble now. They'll have to vote for us because there's nothing else. That is a lot of the reason why they've lost so much support. And I would be very surprised if that led people to vote for them again. Um, and one last question, Jane, before we move on. Um... Do you think that this is the end? I mean, she's she's left because she's failed to get independence, but do you think that this is the end of Scottish independence? No, I don't, because um, I think with the stranglehold that Westminster has over Scotland um, and, you know, with the awful, awful economic policies that this you know, that the Conservatives keep on doubling down on. There's no amount of damage they can do to people. There's no amount of people who can be starving, freezing, dying for them to stop doubling down on their, these disastrous policies. They will keep on hurting people more and more. And I think the longer that goes on, the more people in Scotland will come to the conclusion that the only way to get out of that situation is independence because we keep on having a terrible Conservative government. And I don't blame them. I, I would hate to lose them, but I would I can't blame them for that. Thank you. Um, Neil Terry, great assessment as always by Jane. Brilliant. Thank you, Jane. Sort of. In fact, we don't need Laura. You and I were not needed. We just um, <laughs> Jane Chuntry nonsense. <laughs> uh, I'm off to make a cup of tea then. The roof. <laughs> Let's move on before she says anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna have to get a shorter jingle, that one's too long. Really? Yeah. I've got a song called Johnny Knows the Score. I think it'd fit perfectly for you, John. <laughs> 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 
Could be, could not be less true. Um, <laughs> Graham Critcher Kreitcher is saying, same as me, if Hamza's elected leader, he will lose eight seats to Labour. His record as health minister is abysmal. Um, sort of Jacqueline Hemmings thinks you're brilliant, Jane, as well. Sort of, you've got to be careful of this jealousy from all your, your, your co-guests, you know. <laughs> um, the, um, let's just do our, our, our second moment of the week. Um, Laura, what was your second moment of the week? Um, see, I'm torn because I've got a really depressing one and I'll go happy. Um, the rally that Chantelle was talking about when she was on the show last week in Liverpool, the anti-fascist rally um, that happened this week. I've, obviously, I didn't manage to get there. Um, Paul's gone to Greece, so I'm here with the kids. Um, I hope you're having a good time, Paul. Um, he's, he's watching us. He's he watching. is, I know. <laughs> I know he's making like smoke statements. To see how terrible I'm doing is, uh, is tech. No, um, it's brilliant today. <laughs> Yeah, so I've managed to see a few videos and the speeches were just electric and the atmosphere is brilliant and I just, more like, we need more things like that. We really do because it just sort of injects a bit of enthusiasm in you and makes you realise that the world's not all horrible and there are some really lovely people out there who want to see a better world and, and we need that at the minute because I just don't think we're seeing enough of it. Um, so that was really That's, lovely. That was what Corbyn brought, wasn't it? Hope. Hope. Yes. Sort of, just Jane, your second moment of the week. Um, so my second moment of the week was finding out that the um, European trade unions in Germany, um, there's a um, Deutsche Gewerkschaftsbund, it's eight unions in Germany, they, they're all in that, they've all signed it. Um, Italy, France and Spain, unions from all of those countries have come together to issue a joint statement saying that they do not support the UK government's current anti-union um, legislation that they're putting through, that the UK already has the most draconian anti-union laws in the democratic world and that this strike bill will drag us further away from democratic norms. Very strongly worded and especially I think after um, Sunak having the audacity a few weeks back to claim that this brings us in line with unions in Italy and Spain and France this sends a very clear message of you know the level of dishonesty involved in that statement dishonesty or lack of understanding I don't know which but it wasn't certainly isn't true thank you absolutely and, br and, and brilliant that they've said it in as many words as well um my second moment of the week was um you just saw today on the news Biden giving speeches in Poland and Putin giving speeches in um, uh, Moscow. And the Ukraine war has just become this huge penis swinging contest between <laughs> Putin and Biden. And I'm scared to death by that. And the poor people of Ukraine are just trapped in the middle while these two superpowers, and they don't want to end it. They don't want to have a fight and end it because that would bring the world to an end. So what they're just going to do, they're just going to let this grind on, neither of them being prepared to give way, neither of them daring to be seen to give way an inch to the other one. And, and in the meantime, it, between these two blocks, the poor people of the Ukraine are trapped. Absolutely horrific. And um, 
and, and, and just open warfare between the USA and um, Russia now. We've got China talking, uh, it's, it's really dangerous at the moment. Really dangerous. Um, okay, um, let's move on to our second uh, thing, which is, uh, oh, golly, it's that speech by Starmer. Let's start with anti-Semitism first and and, uh, stick to the anti-Semitism aspect of it. Laura, is it good news that the EHRC has cleared Labour of anti-Semitism? Says they've got it sorted, it's under control, they're doing the right things. Is that good news or bad news? Well, they haven't been cleared. They... Uh, EHRC have said they're satisfied with the changes that have been implemented to address the breaches of the Equality Act. Um, So they haven't said it hasn't happened, and I think we can all agree there was anti-Semitism, probably still is, um, within the Labour Party and many other aspects of of the world. Um, Is it a good thing? Uh, It's always good when you can eradicate um, racism. Like, that is just a fact that we can all agree with. Um, but this whole, this whole thing has just been an absolute farce and an absolute rigmarole. Um, it's been really polarising, it has absolutely decimated the Labour Party, um, and we are where we are now as a result of this. It became not about racism, it became about he said, said, she said, um, about who was fighting who, who was right, who was wrong. And the people who suffered in that were Jewish people who were who were being treated appallingly. They didn't they, they didn't get, you know, the attention that they deserved because people were too busy pointing fingers and you know, the Keith Starmer sort of said that he's he's happy with how things are going, he's it's a new direction, it's new leadership, it's everything's sparkly, bells and whistles. But he's just expelled over 70 Jewish people. So that tells me that he doesn't really care about Jewish people. (laughs) He's just, you know, anyone on the left can go. I think that's where we're at, Jewish or not. Um, And, you know, and it's good now that I've left the Labour Party because I wouldn't have been able to say any of this because I'd have been kicked out. Um, But, you know, the the Jewish Labour movement have come out and said, well, Jews can once again call the Labour Party their home because when Jeremy Corbyn was in power... He he just made it such an uncomfortable place to be. Um, he caused all the problems. Actually, that you know, there were seventy whistleblowers um, from the Jewish labour movement. Only th- three of them actually went on to become a case. Um, now that's not me trying to minimise anything. I'll say that it's not a problem because one case is one too many. But. Then Jeremy, was, his whip was removed because he said the scale of the anti-Semitism problem had been overstated for political reasons. And I think it was a red flag to a bull, wasn't it? It was just, right, we've got our, we've, we've loaded the gun, let's fire it, let's get rid of him. And it's what they wanted all along, because actually he was, he has to take some responsibility in that he was in charge. But the person he trusted to take on those complaints and carry those through and investigate them wasn't doing his job. He simply wasn't doing his job at all. In fact, he was ignoring a lot of it in order to make Jeremy look like a terrible leader. 
so yeah the whole thing's just really messy i don't know whether this is a good thing or a bad thing it it's neither here nor there because it's just another thing that's going to be brushed under the carpet and we'll move on what happened was that starmer used it as an opportunity to publicly assassinate jeremy corbyn of course he did and didn't uh, he do it successfully i mean uh, appalling um, treatment of a fellow member of the Labour Party. Yeah. Um, appalling treatment of another human being um, and taking advantage of that situation. I mean, how how angry do you think? Uh, I mean, uh, sort of the reaction up here was that sort of, um, uh, I got a number of people who just said, right, well, he's shown me the door, I'm off. And, and, and they resigned on the spot. I mean, how angry do you think that people are about it well i think i think the people who would align themselves with the left wing and people who did get enthused by jeremy are absolutely furious but in a way that they're quietly furious because it's we've gotten to the point now where we're like well of course that happened we saw this coming a mile off and neil's just put something in the chat that i think is absolutely spot on this whole thing this ehrc report and the anti-semitism problem was everywhere you couldn't turn on the news look at a newspaper without seeing this and yet when the ford report comes out it's like radio silence nothing gets talked about and let's not forget some of the mps within the labor party have been have have been treated terribly you know don don butler um oh god there's loads of them i can't even name all of them but there's a lot of um racism within the labor party towards their own mps and misogyny, um, and nothing gets just done. Just a few seconds. I mean, some of the comments I, I, I think um, are, are fair here. Um, uh, Scott Marriott, caring about Palestine isn't anti-Zionism. Um, never mind anti-Semitism. Mm -hmm. And uh, Neil Terry, you mentioned him. Um, a number of people have, have said a number of times... Um, it's, uh, uh, there are rumours coming out from the, the Labour Party that they're about to prescribe stop the war. Yeah, I saw um, that today. Um, so, the, I mean, you'll remember that the um, Socialist Campaign Group of MPs were told that they weren't allowed to vote with um, CND or stop the war, and they all went really quiet, so they were, they were threatened with their whips being removed. So this was only a matter of time. I think... Anything left wing, or even remotely left wing, actually, anything that organises outside of the Labour Party that is effective, will be prescribed, and you won't be, and it'll be historically prescribed as well, like the Socialist Appeal. If you like a picture that they put out four years ago, then you kicked out. You know, it's it's ludicrous, and it is all this whole thing, like you said, John, has been a tool initially to get rid of Jeremy, to get rid of the people who supported him, and now to get rid of the people who stayed to fight. Um, the Labour Party, as we think we knew it, is is gone. It's dead, and I just don't think there's any getting it back. Jane, what was your reaction to um, being told that if you don't like what he's doing, the door is open? <laughs> How did you react to that? So, so a, a few years ago, I did think, you know, and I would have seen it differently then. We need to stay. 
and try and, you know, fight for justice and what's right. But what's happened in the meantime is there's been such an overwhelming display of a complete contempt from the leadership of the party now for any sort of justice, even for the party's own rule book, um, that I don't think there's any point anymore personally. And I, I think we're in a very dangerous situation now where I feel like it's a form of thought policing. We're being told who we can and can't associate with if we want to be a member of the Labour Party. You can't speak, you can't, you know, even risk speaking to someone else who's been expelled from the party, even if you don't see any justice in the reasons for um, the, the expulsion this retrospective application of the prescription saying, as Laura said, really it's it's hard to believe for someone who's not seen it themselves that it genuinely is a case of being expelled from the party for liking Facebook or Twitter posts from media outlets, which would be all, all Facebook groups that went out years ago and years before they were prescribed, people joining Facebook groups four years ago that they didn't even realise they were still a member of, which is changed its name in the meantime being expelled from the Labour Party for that it's ridiculous and I feel that personally that it's now so broken that we need to walk away from it it's become very dangerous um, in the way people are being told who who they can't associate with who they can and can't associate with what you're allowed to think um, and that you can't you can't speak the truth and that any sort of um, discussion has been completely shut down within the party. People aren't even allowed to talk about these issues to find any sort of resolution. So, sorry, that wasn't very slickly um, worded, but I feel it's broken. I mean, a, a number of people just coming on and saying exactly the same thing, that um, it's... Uh, they're talking about the lack of democracy, and and that's in fact what Demothy, De, De, Jeremy Corbyn's saying. You know, where where is the democracy in the leader? And now, I mean, who gave the leader of the Labour Party the right to deselect uh, an MP? It's not in the rule book. Um, sort of, um, and 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 how we re should react to that? Scott Marriott, Jacqueline Hemmings, Neil Terry. I I I feel your pain. Yes, it's just. Uh, we, 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 we're, we're lost. Um, Jay, what should um, Corbyn do now? So I think, again, it comes down to different perspectives. And if I was being selfish and thinking about what I might like to happen, then I might say that I'd like him to join another party um, or stand as an independent. I would certainly be personally very upset if he didn't stand at the next election. I don't think that he should hold on for any sort of justice in Labour because I don't think he's going to see it. Um, but he has given so much um, you know, he's been an MP since 1983. Like Nicola Sturgeon, he's made significant sacrifices um, for decades. And during the time when he was leader of the Labour Party, he was harassed so mercilessly by the press, both him and his family. And I would understand now, if at the age that he's at, that he decides actually he wants to step back and walk away. It would make me really sad but I think he needs to do what's right for him. And I think it's just a real shame that although we had a really, really strong movement and so many people like-minded during the time that he was leader of the Labour Party, in a way it feels like the foundations were built on sand. It all seems to have 
fallen away as you know it shouldn't be about one person we shouldn't need him to lead we should have other people within the movement who are prepared to pick up the baton and carry things on so I don't, it's not a great situation and that's not a criticism of anyone I know a lot of people have you know done so much I don't mean it that way I'm just I think I'm just so frustrated at how that we're so powerless despite so many people who care so much and have tried so hard and made so many sacrifices we just seem to be powerless in the face of a media and establishment that is determined to crush everyone who tries to do anything to make society a better place Scott Marriott, the Labour Party has become a construct of false hope and the illusion of choice. Um, I think the thing about it is that it's what we said earlier on. They are working on the principle that people are so fed up of the Tories that they're going to vote Labour into power. So we mustn't say anything that will upset anybody. We must be bland and uh, not make any promises. And we've certainly got to lose anything that might put... Um... Oh, by the way, um, can you remember I mentioned last um, week that I was putting the Palestine motion about the uh, reporting the Jewish, Jewish news that they were going to drop so that the, the CLP passed unanimously... So we're sending that off. Uh, we we want that leaving in the manifesto. So well done. I expect uh, your expulsion letter any day now, John. <laughs> so, so there's so many people in the party are still absolutely. You know, we need. Um, so to, we had one meeting, and and sort of we all everybody towed the line, and afterwards a very venerable old man, who who hadn't given me any. Um, Cause to doubt his loyalty came over and he whispers, he says, we need systemic change. That's the problem, John. It's got to be systemic change. And off he went. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many people who agree that. Tinkering at the edges isn't going to change anything. Mm. We we need a massive, massive change. Um, Neil Terry, I left the Labour Party when Starmer sacked Rebecca Long Bailey. You were remarkably far-sighted in that respect, Neil. <laughs> but I agree with Mark Lungley, who says he's not going to leave the Labour Party. They can kick me out if they want, but I'm not going. I get up every morning and go down and check the mail. I'm expecting a letter to be there. <laughs> so we'll wait and see. Um, right, um, we've just got... Oh, golly, we've only got six minutes for, for our last thing, which was um, I asked you to name um, uh, your favourite modern leader and your um, modern leader who is a monster. Everybody out there, you can do this as well. Sort of just put the name of your monster. They've got to be in power. They've got to be modern leader. But the monster's... And the heroes. Who are your heroes amongst modern leadership? Who are your monsters? Write them down, and we'll read them, read them all out when, when uh, at the end of the show before we finish the show. Laura, who's your hero leader? Well, I didn't like that you said modern because modern's all relative, you know. Like the dinosaurs are modern if you take into account the length of the entire universe. So my 
favourite, well, I've got two because one of them is a bit of a cheat, it's not modern, but I really, really rate Jacinda Ardern of New Zealand, obviously. I think everybody probably knew I was going to say her. Obviously, yeah. she's got problems. Every political leader does. You can't please everybody all the time, but I just thought she dealt with COVID so well. She's really inclusive. She, you know, she just really was switched on. I love the speech she did when she, she always got asked about being a woman. And she got um, accused of just being far too weak. Women are too weak to be leaders. And she said she refused to believe that you can't be both compassionate and strong. She was very much of the mind that you shouldn't have to be aggressive to be a leader. You could be assertive, but you could be empathetic as well. So I just rate her. And I think also the fact that she's recognised, she's reached the point where she's not willing to damage her mental health anymore and she was going to step down absolutely devastated for the people of New Zealand but I just think that is a really brave decision to make as well so I really rate her um, and in terms of leaders you won't get a be better leader than Emmeline Pankhurst who started the Women's Social and Political Union I'm in Manchester Deeds not words Emmeline Pankhurst was a right fascist uh, as well, well I'm not, yeah but let's yeah, no, you're if we're talking about leaders and what she achieved with her children like that it's huge Huge! I get a vote now. <laughs> um, Jane, who was your, who was your monster, by the way, Laura? My monster. Now, mm, the problem is, is that I don't have a great. I'm new to politics, so I don't have a great history with um, political leaders. But I think I've been reading a book re recently on um, Milton Friedman, and it's gone into Pinochet, who led led the coup in Chile in the seventies. He basically became a dictator once he got rid of the democratically elected leader there. He persecuted socialists um, and political critics. He tortured and executed thousands of them. Um, he used Milton Friedman's economic model, which favoured like disaster capitalism and privatisation by stealth. Um, and because Milton Friedman said that um, it was the mi miracle of Chile... I just you think do, the whole thing. You thing's do realise this was the 1980s, don't you? That's I was alive. That's modern. I know I'm old, but <laughs> he was the longest serving I leader. Have said current. It's my own <laughs> sort of Jane. Let's see if I can get anything sort of less historic from you. <laughs> Your favourite leader at the moment. Um, so, actually, the more I looked into Nicola Sturgeon today, so I wouldn't say hero, um, I'm sure there might be things I disagree with her on, but um, she's done some really good things, and I've got an awful lot of respect for her, and I think she's very human and brave, and got a lot of qualities that we could really do with more of in politics, um, so I'd, I'd say Nicola Sturgeon, and I did read um, just... Um, I did read somewhere that when she took over um, as first minister in 2014, um, 15 of the most impoverished 20 regions or areas in the UK were in Scotland, and that now all 20 are in England. I mm. think one of the top three is just down the road from me, so well done, Sunak. Um, so, but, um, and then the monster, um, I know it's an obvious one, but I'd say Putin um, and obviously I know what's happening in the Ukraine right now um, 
and that's terrible. Um, but what I know a lot more about with Putin is what he's been doing within his own country, within Russia, for decades now, and it's disgusting. And over the last few years in particular, he's been he's dismantled human rights organisations, in, chucked international human rights organisations out of the country, imprisoned human rights activists on, you know, terrible grounds people are it's it's a terrible situation people are living in it's a crime to call um the ukraine the war with ukraine a war within the country to use that word it's it's terrible what he's doing to his own people and in belarus the way he supported lukashenko um crushing absolutely crushing and torturing and imprisoning the people of belarus when they went on peaceful protests to try to get democratic elections in their own country it's disgusting the things he's done, and I think he is a monster. Thank you very much indeed. Um, so, so, everybody getting going on, 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 I just love it when we get going on um, uh, uh, on the comments here. Um, uh, Neil Terry, uh, Hero is odd. Um, um, I think it's very hard not to think she's great. Um, Graham Critcher, Barack Obama. Um, sort of um, monster for Neil Terry is, is Putin. Um, Fred Hampton. Who was Fred Hampton? Isn't that from the Black Panthers? Uh, I don't know. Jacqueline Hemmings. Um, tell us about Fred, Fred Hampton. Um, uh, Scott Marriott. Um, Quasi Quateng used woke as an insult towards Sturgeon. He's my monster. <laughs> sort of, um, uh, I think he was just stupid. Zelensky says Neil used the far right as part of the war. Zelensky um, not coming out well out of people's comments. Um, Bolsonaro is the monster mm. for Jacqueline Hemmings. Absolutely. She says there's too many monsters in politics. And Steve Bannon. Oh, yes, that's a good power one. Power behind the throne. Power behind the throne. Um, Mark Lundley liked Bernie Sanders. Um, oh, God, uh, how could I forget yeah. Bernie? Feel the burn. Um, Love it. <laughs> and we've reached 100 messages. Um, and that is over our time. Um, so, so can I just thank publicly the two amazing people uh, and, and who've just showered common sense and good comments on us for an hour and, 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 and sort of taking up the slack of a missing person. Utterly, unbelievably brilliant. And uh, thank you so much, Laura and Jane. You have been Fantastic, fantastic. And thank you so much, all of you, for your brilliant comments. We don't need three guests, do we? I mean, you, you are the <laughs> guest out there and and, and, and and just so brilliant. So fabulous night tonight. Uh, thank you very much, Laura and Jane. Thank you all you lots out there. And Laura, do you want to say your things and close the show? Yes, I can do. Um, okay, so first of all, apologies for any technical glitches. I know there's at least a couple. Um, I think the title's wrong. It's like saved from last week, so apologies for that. Um, but yeah, if you like what we do, please do head over to YouTube and subscribe. Um, 
it's really important that we make our viewership bigger over there so we can build up there and build what we do. Also find our website, socialistthinktank.com and become a member. It is completely free, but it just means that you get all the emails if you miss anything. It, it means that you can keep in touch with us. You can get involved. You can join our chat groups. You can come on a show. It's amazing and everybody's so lovely and it's really just gr a great little community to be part of. Um, if you are not suffering with the cost of living crisis, which I, I highly doubt because we all are, but if by some amazing twist of fate you win the lottery and want to give us any money you can donate to socialist think tank through the website please do so we can keep continuing to make the content for you um because we love doing it um it's it's a lot of fun but it is a lot of work so we do need a little bit of money just to keep everything ticking um thanks to john thanks to jane who were just always amazing um thank you for putting up with me again this week i will probably be missing next week i think paul's back from greece so he'll tell you all about that um and just enjoy the rest of your week and i look forward james to got something to say oh, okay <laughs> oh, sorry, that's okay so we've got a show a live show this saturday and oh, um, it's yes. going to be the 100th birthday or it would have been the 100th birthday of harry leslie smith who we sadly lost a few years ago the world's oldest rebel really amazing man um and we will be doing a live show um i don't know if we're um mentioning who the guests are um yet but we've got some really great guests on that show yeah, we so, do. Don't miss it. That's going out live at nine o'clock on Saturday. Um, same place, same time. But yeah, that is going to be such a lovely show. I'm excited for that. Um, I think I have to do the tech for that one again. So apologies <laughs> for that again <laughs> if it all goes wrong. But let's hope it doesn't. Um, yeah, so we will see you on Saturday. Don't miss it. Thank you very much. Goodbye, everyone. We'll the red flag flag in here.